Welcome back to the Worthy to Wealthy podcast. I'm Natalie Lemus, your host. I am here with Jen Casey. I wanted you to kind of share with everybody your background and how you got started in coaching and specifically the unconscious mind, you know, Mm -hmm. specialty that you bring to the table. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So for me, my initial journey into the online space of entrepreneurship started in 2011, did some network marketing for a while, then 2014, you know, really stepped into like full-time doing health and fitness coaching. And in early 2016, that was when I I really realized that there was another evolution coming, another uh, level of expansion. And that was when I really pivoted into speaking to business coaching, which was totally my real passion behind all of that the entire time. For me, it was interesting to see kind of the transition of just really talking about business strategy to really unpacking a lot of the work around the subconscious and unconscious mind. And so it kind of started where as soon as I stepped into business coaching, I was really focusing heavy on strategy. And I started running group coaching programs. Some of them had like 140 people in them. And that was when things kind of shifted. Here I was thinking I'm having all this success. I have all these amazing people that I'm getting to coach but something was missing. I am someone who very highly values integrity and mastery. And I was frustrated that some people in my course and program were getting these incredible results. They were the rock stars. They were closing clients. They were taking everything that was being taught to them and implementing it. Then there was like the people who were the underdogs where they had so much potential, but they just kept getting in their own way. And I would just try to answer them with strategy at that time, right? It was like, oh, just do more of this, do more of that. Very black and white. Then there was the, the lurkers who would kind of be in the group coaching program, but wouldn't really ask questions, but would kind of be present for things. Then there was the cheerleaders who wouldn't do any work themselves, but would comment on everybody else's stuff. They're like, you're amazing. Oh my God, yes. And then there was the ghosts who just wouldn't show up at all. And some other colorful characters in between. And so I'm seeing this kind of dynamic emerge inside my group programs, you know, launch after launch after launch. And I just got to that point where I was like, okay, 140 people. Usually I'm very data driven. So I'm like, I'm not going to make any assumptions unless I have at least 100 people. And so that group in itself had 140 and I already worked with hundreds of clients. And I was just like, okay, there is clearly a problem here. And I I know in in the coaching world, sometimes people will say it's the wrong clients. It's the wrong person. Oh, you don't want to, they're not, they're not growth minded. They're not growth minded. Oh, they have money objections. That's why they're not signing up. I just was not available for that conversation. I thought, you know what? That's really lazy thinking. I'm just going to call it what it is. That's very small, lazy thinking. And I was like, that's, that's an excuse. And I want a solution. So how do I get these people who I can see have so much potential and passion and a clear mission? What is it exactly that's stopping them from taking action? They're getting the same course, the same access to coaching, the same coaching calls. Why are they getting such drastically different results? And for the most part, you know, a lot of them were moms. A lot of them had the same age range of children. Like I had a clear avatar. So it wasn't that there was such a a drastic difference in their at home lives. Okay. What is really stopping them? And that was kind of the beginning of me really pivoting out of how I had previously coached to go so much deeper into really figuring out how to get these people motivated, how to get these clients unstuck in the beliefs that they had previously held. And I remember going, 
to my very first Tony Robbins event. I had read the books. I'd listened to him. I have a degree in psychology. I studied acting at a conservatory level. And what's interesting about that is as an actor, you're looking at lines on a piece of paper. You're looking at text and you are having to build all the layers of a character and make them three-dimensional. Whereas with marketing, you're looking at an avatar and you're peeling back the layers to say, what's really making them tick? What are the things they're saying to themselves? What are they saying when they're up at night? So it's literally the same thing, just in the reverse Mm -hmm. um, with psychology as well. So I was at my first Tony Robbins event and I remember coming home from it and getting on a podcast interview with a friend and he was like, what's, what are you excited about right now? What do you want to talk about? And I remember saying, dude, I don't even know what to say. I don't, know how to coach apparently (laughs) like it just leveled me humbled me but it was everything that i had been seeking and it was the gut punch that i needed to really begin deeply exploring it gave me the entry point i'm like okay well tony robbins he calls it nac neuro associative conditioning but he's just relabeled neuro-linguistic programming nlp which is really the study of looking at our language and our thoughts and how that interacts and with our behavior and creates a result And so that was kind of the beginning for me and the problem that I was trying to solve of why is it that there's such drastically different results? I remember, you know, after, you know, a couple of years of really studying that, it came up again where I was, I had a program that I had been launching many times over many iterations of it and I was making it evergreen. I was really excited about this program. And as soon as I made it evergreen and removed the group coaching aspect of it, I started getting all these weird questions inside the Facebook group, questions that no one ever asked before in this business coaching program. And there was so much language around, I'm really stuck with, I'm really struggling with, I'm confused about. And I was like, what is going on? And I realized that I had built the core videos in the program for the type of learner and processor that I am. But we're not, we don't all process information the same way. We don't all learn in this, through the same modalities. And I had been filling in the gaps using the Facebook group Q and A's and the group coaching calls. And so I realized, okay, this is another layer of this. Like it's not just one-on-one coaching understanding of psychology of how people learn and how people take action. This needs to be weaved into everything that I'm doing. And so I ended up took eight months I ended up redoing the entire program from scratch and building all of that into the actual program. And literally as soon as we released those new modules, the new students that came in, no questions like that at all. And I was like, O-M-G. But that's something that I'm, I get very excited about and very passionate about. And I think it's so important because like, especially right now with so many people seeing the opportunity online, Mm -hmm. so many new people are coming in and creating courses and programs. And so I feel like over the next couple of months or even years, there's going to be some contrast between the people who can not only market and sell their stuff effectively, but also actually deliver. Like it's one thing to sell your program, but like, can your program get results? Amen. Like that's where it's going to, that's where it's really going to create this disparity of the people who have done the work to really, truly understand not just how to educate people, but how to also coach. Like we can't, like there's some top people who have courses out there, but they're very strategic. They're very like, do this, press this button, very how focused. Mm -hmm. And I think over the next couple of months and years, that's just not going to cut it. Like we need, well, it doesn't cut it now. Well, yeah, it doesn't cut it now. now. I I remember I was listening to a podcast that, and I won't say who it was from, but they said only 2% of people that sign up for your course actually complete it. And I thought to myself, that's just not acceptable because when you have 
like you, you're driven by a greater mission. You actually want to bring results, your desired outcome, that someone would have a transformation through your programs, not just put a dollar in your pocket. Like that's the byproduct of the transformation, but you really are after, and I am too, the transformation. And so I love that you've just coupled everything that you've learned to actually get someone to participate at their highest level so that they can get what they paid for versus Mm -hmm. just paying for it and then feeling overwhelmed and stuck like you were saying. I want to go back to something that you said. And this is why I like totally freaking vibe with you is because (laughs) you're so humble. You're the type of person that you walked into Tony Robbins already having like that successful coaching program and things, but it wasn't enough for you. Like that wasn't enough. And you were humble enough to then say, wow, there's so much more. I don't know. Kind of talk to me about how we can really get into a mindset of being open because even with being coaches, I'm I'm sure you've seen people that they want it, they want it, they want it. But then when it comes down to it, it's like the ego is in the way. So how do we overcome? And with me too, sometimes like I find myself, I'm closed. Sometimes I'm like, nah, I'm good, you know? But so how can we like, is there a trigger or is there something that we can do to help ourselves condition to being more open and receptive to new ideas and being humble and willing to learn? Yeah. So I think for me, I think it really stems from growing up as a performer. I see this in performers, whether it be people who play an instrument, dancers, actors, singers, and also athletes, that they seem to have, because of their training and growing up doing that, they seem to understand the nuance of mastery Mm. at like a a different level. And if you guys are listening, it's like, oh my God, I totally know what you mean. Good. (laughs) Whenever I talk to people who have grown up that way, there's just, they understand that it's not oh, yeah, now I know how to play this song on the piano. Done. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's, there's so much like nuance of levels. Like, okay, so for example, my fiance is a tap dancer and he's like, you know, there's a certain level that you get to as a tap dancer. To the average person, to the non-tap dancer ear, all of those people are equally good. But to the tap dancer, there's just such a small tweak in the way that they can hear the timing and the way that they can produce sound with their feet that we wouldn't know the difference. Only somebody at the mastery level would understand why that person is a thousand times better. It's almost this, um, this understanding of mastery and this desire for mastery. And I think there are some people who are motivated by their mission and by service. And then there are some people who are motivated by money and there are other motivators and there's, there's no good or bad, right or wrong. Like I used to work with someone and she was primarily driven by money. So for her going back and fixing a program that's already selling and people are already getting results from seemed absolutely pointless. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, that's no, 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 no. Like this is our brand. It's our mission. We can't. Yeah. I was like, I can't in good conscience bring people into this, which I go to the other extreme, but you know, I'm there. (laughs) You're like, I'm with you. (laughs) But I think, you know, just being committed to being a lifelong student, I think student is an identity that I hold. And there were times in my business early on when I had, you know, my first six figure launch, a lot of fast success where I was like, I've made it, I've arrived. And then quickly realized, oh, I am just at the beginning. Money is not a measure of 
your success or how much you know by any stretch of the imagination. It is one tool to measure, but it is not the be all end all by any stretch of the imagination. And I think for me, as I've like grown over the last couple of years, caught myself early on, I made a decision that I wasn't going to say things like, I know that already. And I've heard that already. Because once you allow those thoughts in, that's just like ego right there. You've completely blocked off your subconscious and conscious and entire being from expansion and learning. Mm -hmm. And, And I noticed that in one of my family members that growing up used to listen to a lot of personal development, but they would never implement anything. And as I was early on, like maybe like 2010, 2011, like, you know, when you first learn about personal development, you're like, oh my God, I have to tell everybody. Everyone needs to know about goal setting. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but I sure as heck did. And it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. I know that Mm -hmm. before. I'm like, yeah, but you're not living it. You don't have that implemented. So like knowing something is not the same as understanding something or having heard something is not the same as integrating something into your DNA. So I think for me, I see like all these levels of mastery. And I think Tony Robbins is a great example of this. There's things that he says that I've heard a million times. There's things that he says that I teach from my background and training outside of what I learned from him, but he lives it mm-hmm. and he commands his body and he commands his state and he can captivate a room of 15,000 people because he's learned to integrate that so far into his DNA and practice it at the highest level of existence. To me, that's the level of mastery that I see certain coaches like aspiring towards. And I think we want to go big picture, like the collective consciousness of the world is so ready for that type of leadership. Oh, I so agree with that. That is the only type of leadership I think that is resonating right now. I feel like people are magnetized and that's probably why I'm magnetized towards you. (laughs) And it's because we're magnetized towards people that are moving in the direction of their highest expansion because there's something in us that is also doing that. We support each other as we expand together. That's really fascinating. That's exactly why when you went live the other day, I was like, I've never really like listened to her live. And I just, it was such a weird timing too. So my baby was sleeping and it was just like this perfect storm. And I clicked it and, and there you are saying all the things. <laughs> and I'm just like, yep, yep. I'm there. Like, yes. I'm like, give me more. Tell me more. Let's do this. So what is your go-to tool for accessing your unconscious mind and undoing a limiting decision or belief? If you had asked me this six months ago, I probably would have given you some some NLP tactics and tools, which I still love and still use. And I think they're incredibly effective. I mean, there's journaling, there's time techniques, which I absolutely love. There's, you know, really looking at somebody's internal representations. One thing that I love to do that you guys can all do from home is if you have some kind of limiting belief, you can think about what that picture is. So people will tell me in courses and programs, like, I don't know, Jen, I just, I'm stuck or I'm struggling. And I'll ask them, what is the picture that you're creating in your mind when you say that? Because they're not consciously aware of it. Mm -hmm. And they'll go, oh my gosh, it's a picture of me with my feet in the mud or stuck in concrete. I didn't even know I was thinking that. And so you can literally take those pictures and change the quality of the pictures, which is an NLP tool. You could change the color, the brightness, the size, the distance, the location. So if it's right in dead center, like move it all the way to the left and push it all the way out and take the picture and light it on fire and let it disintegrate, right? That's one way that we can honestly shift a belief so quickly. So there's so many like 
tactical tools that some that I'm able to incorporate into bigger group programs and many more that I'm able to use, as you know, like one-on-one with somebody, there's a lot more that you could just do directly. I think I had some huge shifts and awakenings just in the last couple of months with plant medicine. So I had shared this on my podcast that I did ayahuasca. I've also done psilocybin mushrooms. And that was not something that was ever on my radar. (laughs) And I don't even know how I first got introduced to it particularly with ayahuasca. Back in December, I went to a place called Rhythmia in Costa Rica. And I tend to be a very heady person. I'm going to like tease apart this belief and like use these tools and shift it in my mind. And so, you know, through NLP and coaching and therapy and, and all these other modalities within the realm of psychology that I utilize, I was able to do a lot of deep healing work on a lot of things that my body had identified as in the category of trauma. So trauma could be anything, could be big, small. There's no, it's only how you, your body and and mind interprets it. That's how you will, I guess, identify something as trauma. What I realized was that there's a whole other level and layer that I hadn't been tapping into, even though I love how Tony Robbins incorporates physiology work into his live events. I hadn't really been incorporating as much of that as possible into the way that I was coaching and teaching. And so when I did ayahuasca, that plant medicine, I was literally having a full consultation over those six hours while I was on the medicine, talking to mother ayahuasca, the spirit in my mind. And one thing that you experience is purging. And so a lot of people are like, oh, do you throw up when you do it? It's like, well, it's not just like arbitrarily throwing up. There's some kind of energetic removal from your body. And when you purge, whether it be sweating, burping, running to the bathroom, puking, you're moving energy out of your body. And the biggest shift that I had, I healed so much stuff that I didn't even know was still in my body during Mm -hmm. that experience, because I had already, I was like, I would ask her like, what did I just purge into this bucket? And at one point she said a name of somebody and I went, what are you kidding me right now? Like I was just shook. And I don't understand. Like I healed that. Like I have no emotional response in my mind. Like I could think about it. There's no trauma response. I've done all that work. And it wasn't even like a thing that in my mind I ever really categorized in that way. Anyway, she told me, yeah, you healed it all in your mind, but it was still in the cells of your body. And so that's been a huge shift in awakening for me as a coach, right? There's always another level, another layer of, oh my gosh, we, can't just address the things that we're thinking. We need to also address how it's manifesting in the body because we really do hold on to so much in our bodies. And even just thinking about in the realm of NLP, we talk about something like time techniques where thinking back of decisions that you made and it might be things you made, decisions you made when you were five. It could be emotions that you experienced in the womb or past life or ancestral trauma or whatever it is. And some people may be like, oh, I don't believe in past lives. Well, it doesn't really matter whether you believe in it or not. It's all about the way in which the subconscious mind is storing that information and revealing that information to you. So don't judge it. It doesn't have to fully align with your belief system, but just trust that your body has the intelligence and is guiding you to find the source of this block, this problem, this lower vibration emotion. And so with ayahuasca, I was able to just release so many things and it made me realize how we as coaches can really begin to incorporate more of this like body release work in the coaching that we do because there's it's sneaky like it's hiding and i asked ayahuasca i was like whoa like where did that come from she was like you could have done 40 years of therapy and you would never have uncovered this and i was like what straight from spirit you guys and it was pretty wild and since then you know i've also done a lot of breath work 
So it's holotropic breath work. And I invite everybody to go and look that up, find out somebody near you who's certified because what that allows you to do, it's very similar to doing some kind of, you know, psychedelic medicine. And basically breath work allows the two parts of your brain or parts of your brain that don't normally communicate with each other to talk in a very similar way that they do when you're on some kind of plant medicine. And so I actually had my mastermind retreat right before all the crazy pandemics have happened. And one of my old clients is a practitioner and she came and these women were like, what the hell just happened? What did we just experience? Cause you can like start making noises and releasing sound. You might have like start crying uncontrollably screaming, like so incredible because you don't realize how much stuff you're actually holding in your body or how much is stuffed down. And so much stuff will come up. You can have visions, you can have all these things. Our breath work with no, no psychedelic, nothing, just no breath. No psychedelics, work. literally just from breathing. So it's a three-part breathing mechanism and you do it at a certain pace where you breathe only through your mouth. The first seven minutes are pretty rough because you just feel lightheaded. Your throat feels dry. you like, I want this to end after wow. a little while. Like all this stuff starts happening. Often you might have like your hands clamp up. So all these physiological things start happening and shifting and moving. And it was really <laughs> cool to be able to co-facilitate with my, my old client who got to come in and teach it. And it was just like really cool to be able to hear them experience it. All the things of like, oh my God, I felt like I was like electric and that I could literally like blow up this whole room. I felt so much energy going through my body. Other people are like, I wanted to freaking run away, but I couldn't physically get up. <laughs> You realize you could have just stopped breathing, right? Doing the breath, like you could have just gone back to normal breathing. So it's just so interesting to see how all these different things come up. And like, even from that of, oh my God, I wanted to run away. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, what does that teach you about how you approach discomfort? Yeah. Like where, where else do you feel discomfort and where else do you want to run away from things that are uncomfortable? That's awesome. With that breath technique, have you done Kinergy or seen what Julianne Huff is doing with that? I haven't seen specifically that. Is that the energy healing? It is like a dance movement with breath work. She had a 15 minute live the other day and I wasn't able to do it live. I went back and looked at it. Okay, don't hate me, but I actually screen recorded it because I was like, I can't do it now, but I want to do it so bad and there's no other way to access it. So I just screen recorded it for later and then I did do it. And there was a movement you were doing, but also doing the heart breathing <sighs> like that with Whoa. your mouth. Yeah. And it was a 15 minute thing. There was multiple different breathing things along with movement. And I had this sobbing, just like full release. So I get what you're saying. There is so much stored and we just, our body is our unconscious mind. Is that right? Explain yeah. that. So, I mean, various people who have way more knowledge than me have definitely shared things like that. Like, I mean, on so many different levels that our brain wants to automate various things. We wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we get in the car, we drive the car. There's unconscious competence, which is the higher level of being able to do something without having to think about it. So essentially that just means we've automated it and put it into our bodies. And Dr. Joe Spenza talks about this a lot and I love him. If you guys don't follow him, He's amazing. You uh, have to follow him. You need I to follow everyone. Him. Anyone who probably <laughs> listened to my podcast knows that I'm obsessed and that Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself is the best book that's ever been yes. written four <laughs> times. So he'll talk a lot. I always try to give credit or credit's due and reference things. Hey, Jen Casey doesn't think that this is a thing. People far smarter than me that are actually in a lab studying other people's bodies 
have come to these conclusions. I want as much as possible to be backed by some kind of science or study. And so they talk about how we automate things we put in our bodies, but also just thinking about as a human being, you are literally made up of your parents' DNA, 50-50 of both. And so when we look at how information, personality, data, I so see now from doing plant medicine work and breath work, how much information is stored in the cells of our bodies. I've done some healings, energy healing on some clients of mine, friends of mine, and they've experienced massive shifts, kind of how you would with like plant medicine or breath work, just from kind of doing some different energy techniques with them. Yeah, I mean, that's just the conclusion that like everything keeps pointing back to right now in this moment in my life where, wow, there's so much data, there's so much stored. Friends might have crazy ancestral trauma and like all these rejection stuff in her womb. And she's like, I know I have African backgrounds. And, you know, that's just such a part of that lineage of rejection and not being able to use your voice. And so she feels it in all these different areas of her body. And just really interesting to see how that kind of manifests. And I, I think it's a huge relief for some people as they start, at least it was for me, as I started uncovering more of this, because people think, oh, you just, why can't I make money online? I've healed all my money beliefs. Maybe in a past life or a parent or some ancestral situation where there was some kind of poverty vow. And so you're still maybe like unconsciously tied to like some vow. Like it just can go so deep and so many layers that could feel overwhelming for people, but it can also feel like a huge relief because it's not that there's quote unquote something wrong with you. This is part of your journey of really uncovering all of these different layers of your being, whether it be in your neurology or in the cells of your body. So, 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 so good. One of the things that you said super resonated with me, and I want everybody who is listening to know this, that What Jen is sharing about these poverty vows and these ancestral things and generational and even past life, even if you don't even on a conscious level believe in that, even the collective consciousness can pass things down or, you know, energy is real and it can't be created or destroyed and it can only be transferred or transformed. And so when coming back from Tony Robbins, I had this awakening when I was there that I would beat myself up a lot in my like mind telling myself oh God, this is going to be like an explicit one. But I'm like, how to leave yourself stupid. And I know that's so aggressive, but like, that's what my mean inside person would say. Three days after coming back or whatever, it's my son's second birthday. My dad is there and it's just he and I, and we're decorating. Okay. And we're putting up little streamers, blue, green, blue, green pattern. And he puts two blues in a row and I'm over there and I'm unpacking dinosaurs. And he says to himself under his breath, God, Ernie, you're so and stupid. I was shocked. Jen, it was like, I had, I was like, I just got chills all over. Oh my gosh. Even the things that we say to ourselves aren't even ours. And I had this whole, it was like, I could like breathe. And I just wanted to like run up and give him a hug and be like, your mom or dad probably said that too. And I broke the chain and like, (laughs) You know, I just, I was just feeling so so interconnected. And I feel like the people that are drawn to this work are the ones. They're the ones that raised their hand at some point before incarnation that said, yes, I'm capable. And I volunteer as tribute to be the one, break it. Mm -hmm. And that's who I'm sure that's who shows up for you in your world. And that's who shows up for me in my world. And it's such a privilege to like be that guide, you know, walk people back to themselves. It's just magic. That was so beautiful and poetic. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, it is really fascinating 
I feel like, I don't know when this started occurring to me, but probably in late high school, early college of really looking at my parents with so much compassion and love and saying, wow, this is so interesting that they are living the exact same level of existence as their parents financially in terms of the way that they manage debt, in terms of the way that they think about the world. I remember sitting down with my dad maybe two years ago and I was like, dad, he's addicted to working. Like that's his identity. I'm hard work, 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 work. Can't sit down for two seconds. And I was like, you could do anything. If you had all the money in the world, what would you go do? And he was like, I don't know. Rah, I love the old man. Rah, rah, rah. No, no, no. Seriously. Like, wouldn't you like, and he does like construction and architecture. And I'm like, wouldn't you want to like go to Europe? Like, don't you want to go to Italy? I mean, you get excited. He, I would ask him like when I was in college going to get the train or whatever, be like, dad, can you drop me off the train? And he'd be like, okay. And we'd be driving down the block and, and I'm like, I'm going to miss the train. But no, he'd be like slow gliding because he's looking at the construction on all the like suburban houses. I was like, if you're excited about looking at the construction on those houses, I'm pretty sure Europe would blow your flipping mind. So it's like, don't you want to go to Europe? Don't you want to explore the world? He's never been to Europe before. And he was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I was like, what? I was like, dad, are you kidding? And he's like, I'm like, what would you do for fun then? Like, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? And he was like, you know, I would, I would maybe fly a jet and just went like, and all of a sudden I was like, did I just see seven-year-old John Casey? Cause I'm pretty sure you just actually, like I just saw you as a little kid and it was like so interesting. And then I ended up getting him like a Groupon to go like fly a plane or whatever. And he still hasn't used it by the way, but it's just like so interesting to see how you were saying we, we get like locked into this chain, this pattern of things that are passed down from generation to generation. And I think it is like our purpose being here is to challenge those paradigms and to actually awaken things within our lineage. I'm always like challenging stuff. I'm really annoying with my family. I'm really annoying. And like my fiance also, they're listening to me on the phone with my parents and he's just like, wow, you just get right to the point. Well, yeah. I'm like, they know it's coming from love. So like, why spend 20 minutes beating it around the bush? You're being out of integrity here. Like, why don't you do that first? You know what I mean? Like, I just like, just comes out. But it really is interesting to now, like a couple years into this journey, really looking back at, like, I'm a completely different person, looking at how they show up and seeing the patterns that I've broken, that they are still tied to as like, this is a fact. Mm -hmm. That's what's so fascinating is like, this is how it is. Is it? Because I now have a different model of existence. Obviously, it's not the way it is for all people. It's just the way that it is for you because that's what you've accepted as the way that it is. And the longer that they go or one would go firing and wiring that same neurological program, the more entrenched it becomes until, you know, maybe for me, what I saw with my mom specifically was, you know, she was so entrenched in her old program and she had lots of opportunities to the universe. God was like, uh, yo, we're about to take you out. So you better evolve. And she was like, I'm just too busy working. No, we're about to take you out. <laughs> you better evolve. Nope. Too busy working. Don't even go there. Stop that. And then she started, you know, having a manifesting all of these health problems and then ultimately became a quadriplegic from a surgery that went wrong. And it was that point where like she wanted to give up and check out. And I sat on the edge of her bed and I looked at her dead in the eyes and I was like, all those things that you taught me, all those ask, believe, receive, all that stuff that you taught me. I'm like, you need to turn that on yourself right now. 
and you need to create a new existence. And, and I had told her in 2013 when she was diagnosed with Parkinson's and she categorically rejected it, didn't take any medication and was like, I'm going to go the natural route. I was like, read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Read it, freaking read it, read it, read it. And she's like, no, no. She tried all these other things, whatever. And then finally, when she was in the hospital, that's when she got super deep into Dr. Joe's work and would just lay there and with her earbuds in, meditate, kaleidoscope, whole nine yards. She actually ended up getting to speak on his stage in Portland and like give her testimony. No it's way. on, it's on awesome. YouTube. It has like 40,000 views on it and she's running again. Yeah. She's fully recovered. And wow. I think what happens is we can become entrenched and then we have these checkpoints where we can decide to evolve or I almost see it as like split off from our soul and stay living or that some people do actually check out and die. Right. Yeah. Have you ever had a point like that in your life? Yeah. Well, actually when I did, um, ayahuasca, the very first question that they recommended there that we ask is show me who I've become. The second intention is merge me with my soul at all costs. And the third is heal my heart. And so after I was show me who I've become, it was like rules, 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 rules. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, why do I keep thinking rules? It's so weird. I did not realize she was talking to me at all. <laughs> it was like night one. But then at the end of that first night, it was like, what? And I got it. Like, what? And then we did four ceremonies. At the end of that first night, like, my feet started going crazy. I mean, my feet are like undulating point toe. And I had actually injured my foot. I had had injuries on my ankles in previous years. And then I randomly broke this tiny, it's called a sesamoid bone. I might be mispronouncing that. Right in the joint of your big toe. I freaking broke slash fractured it while doing a down dog. What in the fuck? <laughs> like, who does that? And you go hard. You go hard. I was so hard. I was walking the dog. That's why I say when you walk the dog, you got to just take it easy. So I freaking wake up the next day after that when I'm walking the dog. And I thought I dislocated my big toe because I was like, Jesus Christ, this freaking hurts. Went to the doctor and he's like, well, actually, see how there's the little line down this tiny little egg-shaped thing? Yeah, that's a break. I was like, awesome. What do I do? He's like, you try not to walk on it for six to eight weeks. I was like, yeah, yeah, that was the end of the summer. And so then December, I'm now laying there and my feet are undulating, doing all this stuff. But there was, it was still in the irritated area because like when you walk, you can't fully really let it heal. And I start like panicking in my ayahuasca trip. I'm like, oh my God, am I going to like hurt my foot? And then I was like, wait a minute. She knows what to do. She knows what healing needs to happen. This is happening without my control. So that whole night, my feet are going crazy. And then I get a vision either that night or the next night. That I asked her, what are you doing to my feet? And she said, and she said, because you're not walking with your soul. And I was like, what? And all of a sudden I got this image. So like literally exactly what you just asked me. So weird. I get this image of snow and footprints in the snow. And I see two sets of footprints walking side by side. And then those same footprints would come together and be like one foot in the same step. And then they would go off and it was just like infinity sign almost over and over and over again of coming back together and then separating and coming back together and then separating. And I was like, holy shit, this is so crazy. The reason that I feel out of alignment, that was just the most powerful, vivid image of one of the most powerful vivid images of the entire experience that I'm still very connected to of just, wow. Your feet hurt because you're not walking with your soul. And so literally your physical body and your soul are disintegrating and then reintegrating. And then you're putting all this extra physical exertion by trying to walk in a direction that's not in alignment with your soul. And I was just like, Phew. 